with the 13th pick in the 1996 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Kobe Bryant from Lower Marion High School in Pennsylvania. 18 for 20 from the line and an 81-point game. 55 in the second half. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed the second greatest scoring performance in NBA history. Pierce turns back out. Rondo fakes, dribbles, puts up the three, won't go. Rebound to Saul, kicks it out to Odom. Odom throws it ahead. The Lakers repeat back-to-back -back titles. The LA Lakers, the 2010 NBA champions. Moment, Miles misses. And the Lakers close out Kobe Bryant's career with a win and one of the great farewell performances in any sport at any time. Authored by one of the NBA's all-time greats, Kobe Bryant, 60 points, 23 in the fourth quarter of his farewell game. Welcome to the final call, episode 12. And uh, this is not an episode that we originally planned on having this way. Uh, I'm Andrew Fantucci. Today with me, always, always, Ben Mamoritis, Jason Snow. Yeah, uh, You know, originally we just planned on just doing all Super Bowl this week. But uh, the passing of Kobe Bryant on Sunday is uh, something that really changed everything and been the biggest story not just in sports but at all right now guys how are you feeling today um you know the past few days have been really tough uh on you know on sunday you know i heard the news i got a text from a friend saying did you hear about kobe bryant and i said no and i looked it up and uh started reading and I only saw a few reports and I, I didn't want to believe it. So I, I said, you know, there's only one report. It's not on the news yet. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely not real. And then slowly, and sh slowly, but surely it, uh, continued to build up. And, um, you know, we lost not only a great basketball player, but a great human being, a great father, a uh, great husband. Um, and of course, Tragically, uh, we also lost his daughter, Gianna, at 13 years old. Um, it's, it's, the whole time I've covered sports, I don't think there's ever been a more difficult time to be in this profession, seriously. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of, um, it doesn't feel real. It feels like a nightmare. But, um, you know, one of the tough, it was one of the toughest days yeah, uh, it happened on Sunday, and I actually heard from you guys, and my phone just blew up with people, you know, reporting it to me, and I just really didn't know what to believe because he was one of those guys that he was like all of us kind of, I was born in 2001, but you guys born in the late 90s, you guys weren't young, uh, old enough to remember Michael Jordan, so he was like our Jordan, and he was the NBA's artist, and he used both the court as well as life itself as his canvas and he was flawed but he embraced it I thought he really got me into basketball he 
maybe it was escalated because he was a Laker. But I think one of not a travesty, but in terms of the league, we I really wish we saw a LeBron Kobe finals, but we never did. And he was we we've said this over the past couple of days that it almost seemed like he was immortal, like he could do anything. And that's what made me kind of not believe the reports at first. And it was just a terrible, terrible, awful day for me. Yeah, I found out almost like everyone else did. I saw the original TMZ article, and I was like, it's TMZ. It's got to be a hoax. Like exactly. They just, they, they just throw stuff out there as willy-nilly whenever they want to without any regards, but then got a little bit bigger, and it started coming out of rumors started coming out of nowhere that all his kids were on the plane were on the helicopter his wife uh, it was just we we weren't sure what was true but the one constant narrative through all reports was that kobe bryant had died and it's just the passing of him along with his daughter and everyone else in that helicopter is just an absolute tragic loss i mean for many like you said jason kobe was the defining sports star of his era and he was the the bridge between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. And that doesn't mean he was less than them. Not at all. But, you know, everyone puts MJ and LeBron up. You know, they're always being compared to each other. But Kobe's sort of, he was, Kobe was in his own sort of league. Different type of player, you know, that ushered, that was the torch passing him from LeBron and then from Jordan and he passed the torch to LeBron. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, his 18 all-star appearances, five NBA championships, two scoring titles, a 2008 MVP season, just a few of his many accolades. And I think no matter what you thought of him as a player or we thought of him as a person, you couldn't deny Kobe's talent with the ball in his hand. Uh, He attacked the basket with ferocity and his signature turnaround fadeaway. That's a shot that kids still practice now. And they're trying to make on blacktops and in their driveway in gyms right here on, on our campus. Uh, he, along with that tremendous work ethic and a killer instinct, I mean, there was no one you feared more late in games than Kobe Bryant. Yep. He had the killer instinct that you just, you can't develop. You have to be born with that. Yep. And Kobe had that, and, and that's what made him one of the greatest players in NBA history and the defining star of his generation. So I guess I want to ask you first, you know, Jason, what will you remember the most about Bryant's career? Uh... I, I really started watching him around 2009, 10, 11, ever since that the Celtics and Kobe's yep. Lakers were yep. kind of like born to be in the finals together. Mm-hmm. Um, but no memory will last longer to me than him being on that NBA 2K10 cover because that was the first video game I ever bought. That was the – it just really got me into basketball. And you know I still have that cover today, and it was just – I'll, I'll always remember that because it got me into sports and sports has changed my life. So I, I'll always forget. I'll always forget. I'll always remember the impact Kobe had on me growing up. Yeah. Um, I, I got around, I got into basketball around that time as well. Um, you know, like 2010, uh, around, around the time LeBron went to the heat, you know, like, 2009 2010 um i watched the finals between the celtics and the lakers which if if i still think if kendrick perkins didn't blow out his knee i think the celtics would have won that series but i mean i give all the credit in the world obviously to 
to Kobe and to that Lakers team. I mean, Ron Artest, uh, Lamar Odom, Pau Gasol. But, um, you know, it's... my Some of my favorite memories of Kobe was, like, you never thought the game was over with Kobe. They could be losing by 20 in the fourth quarter, and you just thought all this guy needs to do is heat up and it's it's over. Because, I mean, he was that... He was that skilled. And like you said, Jason, he's, you know, the true artist. He took he took his craft so seriously and he was so meticulous about what he did that it will be the way that he worked and the way that he tried to perfect his craft will be replicated for decades to come. Um, yeah. He was just so willful. Yeah. I just wanted to add that. And yeah. I mean, for me, it's just his tenacity. And like you, like you were just saying, that, that work ethic and that undeniable love for basketball that he there's nothing he wanted more than to win and to be the best and you know he was fearless mm-hmm. he looked for challenges he wa- he always wanted to compete against the best to show that he was the best uh, there was no such thing as a day off for Kobe uh, it was either if he was going to play he was playing at 110% Yep. A million miles an hour. He attacked the basket like he was putting his life on the line. He played hurt all the time. Yep. And he it, that's some that's some something that I, that I think gets taken for granted now, especially when we talk about load management in the NBA. So many players taking time off to rest. Kobe didn't rest. No. Unless he couldn't walk. Yep. He played with reckless abandon just to win. That's all he ever wanted. So I, I guess in that sense, I mean, where do you guys then rank Kobe Bryant all time? Um, so he's definitely in my top ten. But go ahead. So t- top ten. All right. So the, I want your, I want to go through your top ten and stop at Kobe. So the way I've done this is the way the way I always rank NBA players is how do you affect each um, era? So I mean, I have Jordan number one, um, just for what he did with the Bulls in the nineties. Um, and then two and three, I have Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain, respectively, just because of what they did for the game, and they basically set the blueprint for the rest of NBA history. And then I'd put Magic, then Bird, because of, I mean, obviously, Magic and Bird, I mean, those names say speak volumes. I mean, you know exactly who they are. Number six, I put Kareem, um, all-time leading scorer, most unstoppable shot in NBA history. Uh, played 20 years in the league, and um, most MVPs, six MVPs. And then number seven, I have Hakeem Olajuwon, just because he was amazing both sides of the ball, and he had every move you can think of. Number eight, I'd put Kobe, because, and I told Andrew this before the show, every player playing in the NBA right now, Kobe was the guy they looked at. He was the guy that influenced them. Like, yeah, I mean, some of them, I mean, you ask any of them, it's going to be Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, maybe Allen Iverson. Those are the guys that people were looking at. And Kobe was right at the forefront of all that. Yeah. My my list goes uh, LeBron at one, Jordan at two, Kareem at three, Magic, uh, then Wilt, Larry Bird, Shaq, and then Kobe at eight. I, he's definitely in my top 10. I just couldn't put him over Will to triple-digit scoring game. and uh, Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, to me, I just... 
the age-old argument, but I feel it's unfair to put players like Wilt and Bill Russell and judge them based off and judge them in the same criteria as we judge players of later generations. And that's not detracting from who Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain are and what, who they were as players. But the game, it was so different back in the 60s. Right. It was against a bunch of shorter guys, and because they were physical anomalies back in the 1960s, I mean, who was over six foot four back in 1964? Really nobody. They were physical anomalies, so they kind of they had just such a physical advantage that it was just seemingly unfair. They were men amongst boys, similar to how Shaq was, but the gap wasn't as large. I I see where you're coming from, but I I do put Wilt into my top five because he could do anything on the court except shoot. Like he pound the boards. He was a, he could have been a track athlete. He could have sprinted. So it, he, he won just, the high jump as a college uh, freshman, right? And he dominated an era. I know that has their its rebuttals to it, but he could pat. He led the league in assists one year. Yep. He averaged fifty points a game in a season and twenty five rebounds. So he could really do everything on the court. But that wouldn't have happened if he had someone to go up against on a consistent on a night to night basis. It's a what if. Exactly. You can't. You can't judge people from the past on what we have in the future because that's just not the game wasn't there yet it's like saying it's like comparing humans to i mean this is like such like a broader comparison but like comparing like you know humans now to cavemen i mean obviously the cavemen aren't you know they're not uh as advanced as humans are nowadays but for what they did at their in their time like whoever invented the wheel that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Whoever discovered fire, that's amazing. It's the same thing with everyone who played back then. All the, um, you know, not just them. I mean, you know, Bob Cousy, um, you know, Bob Pettit. Like these these players paved the way, and they were the best. They were the best athletes in the world, especially Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, he could do everything. Um, he could have been. He could have played any sport. He almost boxed Muhammad Ali at mm-hmm. one point. Um, Talk about a title fight. Yeah, uh, I would have liked to see that. Yeah. So for my my list goes Jordan, <laughs> Magic, Kareem, LeBron, Bird, Kobe. For me, my biggest the biggest criteria is championships. I mm-hmm. think, but it's not the one criteria. It's who you were as a player. Total stats. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. I put Jordan one because it's Michael Jordan. He's top ten in every scoring category, almost every statistic. Plus six championships, two different three peats. Completely dominant. Just he he was the player. Magic, again, like Jordan, but because he went against Bird, didn't have the championships as many championships. Kareem, there, all-time scoring leader, uh, that devastating hook shot. I put LeBron, even though he's he has the fewest titles out of everyone, anyone on my list right now, I think he's going to get there, and it's only a matter of time. He's going to win another title. If not this year, next. If not the next, the year after. He's going to win another championship before it's all said and done. Most likely. And he, he's such, like Kareem and, uh, not Kareem, not like how Russell and Wilt were back in there, LeBron's a physical specimen now. There's no one that with his size, combination of size, speed, and athleticism. Mm-hmm. He's a physical freak, and that's what makes LeBron so good. I didn't say this when I did my list. I 
I just wanted to preface it by saying I listed my guys by dominance. Okay. Not by titles. So, like, Bill Russell had 11 titles, but he ever, he had a career per, field goal percentage of 44. That's because he didn't shoot. He was just an awkward offensive player, and he didn't dominate the whole com- like completion of the game like Wilt did. I think Wilt was a better overall player. If I were to start a franchise... I agree. And also, I bring in this, in this into it. If I were to start a franchise with a player... I would absolutely go with LeBron first because he can play all five positions, guard all five positions, and do pretty much everything. Triple pass, shoot, but he's bigger than Jordan. So not to get off topic from Kobe, Yeah, but I just wanted to preface my list by saying that. I I put Bird at five because I feel like you can't mention Magic without Bird. Right. They're they're, 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 they're always together. They'll always be interlocked with each other. Uh, And I I mean, I think just just sort of a toss-up. I think if... Not for Kareem and LeBron, it'd be hard to pick who's two and who's three behind behind uh, Jordan. But I, I want I had to put one of them over the other. Yeah, the just... reason the reason why I put Bill Russell so high is because I mean he invented defense. Seriously, I mean he was the first one who was who was blocking shots, and they yeah, they point. they didn't they didn't know what to do with that because they were they've never seen anyone block shots before. And then I put Kobe six because five championships, eighteen time. Like I, I listed Zach Lays earlier in the segment. They're undeniable, and that's just that's the fact of this. It's undeniable how good of a player he was, and that sort of, I guess, leads me into my next question for you guys. Now with his passing, the NBA has lost two titans in the last month and a half. Yep. Stern, former commissioner, now Kobe. How, how do you guys see the NBA moving on without them? What, what's, what's the recovery plan? Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to say, uh, you really can't, no, I don't think the NBA will ever really recover from this, to be honest with you. This is such a, this is such a, a terrible, terrible tragedy. Um, like I said, Kobe's reach is so much more than, than basketball. I mean, you go anywhere in the world, whether it be the United States to the Philippines, to Japan, to Europe, you say Kobe, that's it. All you need to say is Kobe, and everyone knows who you're talking about. So I think, you know, it's going to be tough. Um, I mean, we're already seeing all the tributes from the players now. I think we're going to see a lot of that. Um, But in terms of recovery, you know, it's going to be a long process. A long process. Yeah, it'll be—the NBA will be scarred for the foreseeable future. And not only because of the commissioner, but for basketball in general, because— the players will be deeply be affected by this because in the off season, they text Kobe. They say, "What's my mission?" He's Kobe. the guy. Yep. What do I need to work on? My he he was the ultimate NBA influencer, and to that just be like pulled out from under everyone suddenly, just in a snap of a finger. We're not going to recover from that f- for a while, and I think the NBA will eventually. Um, gain some traction in recovering from it, but it'll be at least a year or two. Yeah, I think the league's going to keep moving. They, they have there's so much star power in the NBA now, more than there's ever been, and the league's going to keep growing. And they're they're now worth close to ten billion, the league. But that wouldn't have happened without David Stern's vision, and it wouldn't have happened without Kobe Bryant's star power. The two of them together, sort of exited the league and exited this earth 
in sort of, you know, hand in hand with each other. They both retired uh, within two, three years of each other. They passed away within three weeks of each other. Not a poetic way, but I can't think of a better word to describe it. It's just the story of their lives together and how they're always on parallel paths. And that's just, it's going to be a tragic loss for this league. But they're passing, especially in Kobe's case, it just goes to show, I think, how much we as sports fans, not not even just people who you know, are part of the industry and have to talk about it, but as fans of sports, how much we need to appreciate these types of players while they're still playing. Uh, someone of Kobe Bryant's talent doesn't come along all the time. And when they're playing, watch them appreciate what they do. Root against them, hate them. But you can't deny their talent because that's just disrespect, you know? Yep, absolutely. Can't we, take them for granted. Exactly. You know, we have so many players coming that are about to, uh, they're in the uh, back half of their careers right now. They're the biggest stars in their sports. And Brady, what, Brady LeBron, yeah. appreciate while they still, appreciate what they can do while they still have it because it can all be taken away so quickly. Uh, coming up next here on the final call, we're going to get into the Super Bowl. Because that's still happening. Not to mention, we have a big interview with Ty Hawkins of the Massasoit women's basketball team later on the show. You'll come back with that here on Radio Massasoit. How old can you be and still donate the gift of life? What age is the right age to be an organ and tissue donor? Think you're too old? The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services wants you to know any age is the right age to register. More of us are able to, to be donors and recipients into our 50s and beyond. Learn more about donation. Find out about the lives that you can help. Go to organdonor.gov or call 1-800-99-DONATE, a message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Service Administration. You're listening to Radio Massasoit. We play music the way you like it. Massasoit Community College is located in Brockton, Ken, and Middleborough. Massasoit Community College, changing lives for over 50 years. And welcome back to the final call. Andrew Fantuccio here. As always, Ben Mamaritas, Jason Snow. Guys, the Super Bowl is this Sunday. It is. Yeah. Let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about <laughs> it. So, I mean, I don't know where to start, but I guess just give me your picks. I mean, who, who do you got? Jason, we'll start with you. This was kind of like a toss-up for me, um, but my gut leads Kansas City. Uh, just because they stopped Derrick Henry on the run. Um, against Tennessee in, in the conference championship, and that that'll be the key to San Francisco's success, I believe, is running the football with Moster and that kind of um, jigsaw puzzle at running back. Um, but Patrick Mahomes is a wizard, and I feel like this is his season. Kind of, I aligned it to Joe Burrow at LSU, Patrick Mahomes at Kansas City. They, it's just such an aerial attack. Any at any point he can just launch one about sixty feet, sixty yards, right into the end zone. So I, I think it's their season. I think that hunch is finally off Andy Reid's back, and we'll get to that in a, in a few minutes. But Kansas City's my pick. I am gonna go with the 49ers. and the reason why. Okay, Kyle Shanahan has completely impressed me as a head coach. Um, him and his father, Mike Shanahan, actually have been breaking down film every week. I think if you had a, if you have a Hall of Fame coach helping you out, whether he be your dad or not, that's big. Also, uh, yes, Kansas City did stop the run, but like you said, 
it's a jigsaw puzzle at running back. I mean, we don't really know what they're going to throw at the defense. Also, they have the most uh, motion plays in the NFL this year, the 49ers. And I think a lot of that moving around might throw off that Kansas City defense. Um, you know, over the season, the, the Kansas City defense kind of gave me question marks a little bit. Yes, they had a big game against Eric Henry. Yes, they had a big game against the Texans. But I think Kyle Shanahan and, and that offense is going to draw up some plays that are really going to confuse that defense. And as long as, and I mean, I haven't even mentioned the 49ers defense. I mean, we're talking defensive rookie of the year by far, I think. Nick Bosa. Um, yep. In, incredible. Uh, he's going to be getting Nat Mahomes. Um, I mean, you got Richard Sherman. You got uh, Mosley at linebacker. Uh, I mean, they just they got they got talent everywhere, and it's just going to be. It's, I think it's going to come down. It's like you said, it was kind of a coin flip for me, but I'm leaning towards the the 49ers on this one. I'm going with the Chiefs. Okay. Oh, we agree, Andrew. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm going with Chiefs. Uh, I think they're playing with a championship mentality they were down big to the texans they come back and win they're down early to can to the te- to, to the titans they suffocate them in the second half i think they're on a mission i think they feel slighted after last year after not getting a chance to have the ball in the second half of that ACT championship game against brady I think they're mad about d ford lining up off sides who's now in the 49ers yep <laughs> this is I think Andy Reid's I, – I think he wants this more than anything. Losing to the New England Patriots in 04 with the Eagles, he wants to shake the monkey here. He wants it yeah. off his back. He's been in so many big games and has blown it. And I think this is the one he wants the most. Question is, does he have another fart? That's what I'm. That's what does, I'm saying. Does he? Yeah. Does he? You know, crap himself on the sideline one more time in the biggest moment. That's what I. I. That's what I'm kind of thinking. I'm thinking Andy Reid might Andy Reid. I mean, we don't know. Like he hasn't had his Andy Reid moment yet this season. We like we saw it with the the AFC Championship last year when they uh, the Patriots held Mahomes to zero points in the first half. I mean, I also think that. San Francisco is yet to be challenged in these playoffs. That's fair. I think a championship-caliber team has to go through some sort of challenge, and the Niners haven't done it yet. They they beat Minnesota pretty handily, and like I said last week, shame on me for giving Green Bay any kind of credit. (laughs) But another thing, San Francisco let Green Bay back in that game. They were de- they were up twenty seven nothing, and let Green Bay back in. Yeah, they still won by ten. But, but like like we said last week, it was never really that close. It wasn't. But the fact that they still allowed them to get close, like yeah, San Francisco was talented enough to not let them ever get within within one score. But the fact that they let them back in the ball game at all, they shouldn't have kept the, the they should not have kept. They should have kept their foot on the on the pedal. They yeah. shouldn't have slowed down. They should have stomped on their throat even harder and not let the Packers back in that ballgame. And they did. Well, I have two. And then and now the Chiefs are a much better team than the Packers. And if they if the Niners want to win this game, they have to keep the foot on the pedal because the Chiefs are not going to slow down. I'm sorry, but I cut you off. No, you no, saying? no, you're good. You're good. So 
two things about that. Number one, Aaron Rodgers was making throws that game, late in the game, I mean. When the game was over, like, he was just making throws like Aaron Rodgers throws, and that's kind of why they were getting back in it. Also, I get what you're saying about not stepping on the gas, but they, Jimmy Garoppolo threw it eight times. They're going to keep running it. Like, they're going oh, to keep fine. running it. They're going to keep running it because it was working so well, and Raheem Mostert was just a man amongst boys that whole game. So I understand why they did that, you know, but I also understand where you're coming from. Uh, I but think I yeah. have to expect that the Chiefs are going to be more prepared for the Niners' run attack than the Packers were. The Packers yeah. seem to go oh, in there yeah. without any plan at all. If they can stop Derrick Henry, then there's reason to believe that they could stop Raheem Mostert. Well, absolutely. So well, the time is now for Kansas City because Patrick Mahomes is going to get a pretty big bonus eventually, and they're not going to be able to keep this surrounding cast for long. Uh, they're going to have to pay Patrick Mahomes close to $38, $39 million a season. He's going to reset the quarterback market. Exactly. And how much are they going to be able to pay? They're, their defense is already like, I have my doubts inside about Kansas City's defense already, and they're not even paying Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So what is that? The time is now for Andy, for Andy Reid. If they don't win it this year, and I know San Francisco is good, and they're qualified to be here. They're, they've earned the right to be here. They're for real. But the time is now for Andy Reid to capitalize on Patrick Mahomes. Because taking him it's at not a, discount, a given he's still going to be there. Taking him at a discount can't take that lightly. Absolutely not. And in a league where it's not a hard cap <sighs> league, and there's ways to get around it, but you you're now starting to see quarterbacks move around a lot more in free agency, and you're really going to see that this off season. I think if you're Kansas City, you want to resign him. I mean, I know. Chiefs owner Clark Hunt came out and said that it might not come this offseason, but there's going to be an extension for Holmes. I mean, yeah. And whatever that extension may be, it's going to be the probably the highest, the biggest contract in the history of the NFL. And it'll be worth every penny, but I'm just saying the yes. surrounding cast yes. won't be as good as it is now. It would. Mah- Do you think Mahomes will be as good without that cast if he doesn't have Kelsey or Hill or one of them leaves? It certainly helps them that they're there. I don't know if he'll yeah. be dramatically worse without them. I regardless of who he's throwing to he's got a cannon he's got he's got the qualities he can make the throws can he elevate other people i don't know are these guys better with patrick is patrick Mahomes elevating these guys right now absolutely i think it's a balancing act between the two i mean well i think there was a, a point brought up by stephen a smith on first take that um that he said that alex smith would make it to the super bowl with these weapons i'm sorry that's just not true Mahomes is the reason but they'd be they're a good in team. here. They'd be, a, they'd be they'd be a they'd good be a, team. They'd be a solid four seed. Right. They'd be a playoff team, but they're not making it to the Super Bowl with Alex Smith. No. So to answer your question, I think if they do get Mahomes new weapons that maybe aren't as good, I think he's still going to work it out. Right. I don't know if he's going to, um, you know, have the most, you know, 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, but, you know— He'll be in. He'll be a deep playoff run. He'll yeah. be in a deep playoff run for sure. And for the NFL and for fans that look at it from afar, like we do, I hope it doesn't turn into Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. That <laughs> the way that Aaron Rodgers just looks around training camp and goes, "Well, I'm the only one here," you know. Yeah. I just hope it doesn't turn out like that. And I think Cameron City's well run enough that they can pull off talent around at a cheaper price. If you're the Niners, how do you slow them down in this game? <laughs> No press coverage. <laughs> yeah, listen, you got to get to him. Get to him. Bosa, Bosa has to have a Yeah, game. you need to get to him. Bosa needs to be a monster. The The whole front front line needs to just get at him. You can't let him sit back in the pocket. If you let him sit and survey, he's going to eat you alive. And that's really the key to this game, I think. 
it, it can also be the like, when I watch Patrick Mahomes, it's almost like he's better when he's moving though. Yes. I don't want him to be comfortable, but I don't want him to embrace the fact that he has to run around. You know, when he makes those fadeaway no look throws that wait on the field to Hardman, those scare me because they can just erupt at any time. I don't want him to be comfortable, but I don't want him to feel like he's in his natural outside the pocket range. You mentioned that Nick Bosa has to have a big game. Do you think it's a lot of pressure to put on a, on a rookie guy? First, like, yeah, we just said he's the you know the probably the defensive rookie of the year this season. But isn't that a lot of pressure to put sure. on him in a big game? Do you think he's up for it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's always a lot of pressure. But you also look at the cloth that he was cut from. I mean, his brothers are in the NFL. Uh, I think he was kind of he was he's built for this, you know, Ohio State guy, right? Uh, he he's been in that championship mentality before. He, but I mean, granted, this, this is a Super Bowl; it's the biggest stage in in sports, really. But um, no, to answer your question, no, I don't think it's going to be too much pressure for him. I think he's going to come through for the 49ers. I hope he does. I hope he has a great game. But it, it's it's too much pressure for everyone. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be too much pressure for Patrick Mahomes. It's the Super Bowl, yeah. And if Patrick Mahomes has a bad first quarter, I don't blame him at all. If anyone has a bad first quarter or even first half, I don't blame him. It's how they can recover from that poor first half and bounce back and rebound from that. Like, we've we've seen Tom Brady. I was just going to say that. Thank you. stinkers and win. Yep. We've seen Peyton Manning in Super Bowls throw up clunky first halves and be able to pull it out exactly so will patrick mahomes like you said i don't want to steal your phrase but be cut from that same cloth time will tell and it's going to be too pressure too much pressure for everyone bosa included if you're kansas city how do you stop san francisco uh number one stop the run that's what i think you can't let you can't let another raheem mostert game happen you can't let that happen you gotta you gotta get at you gotta just uh, not collapse the pocket. What's the word I'm trying to use here? They're, you can't let them run all over you like they did to Green Bay. If you don't let them run, that's going to make Jimmy Garoppolo throw it. He's never... Uh, this is the first time... He, he has two rings. Okay, Jimmy G. <laughs> but both as a backup. He's a seasoned vet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, you know, he's been here before. No, I'm kidding. But uh, this is his first Super Bowl as a starter. They need to get him to... Kind of like Patrick Mahomes. They need to make him uncomfortable. They need to make him, you know, they need to get at him, force him to throw it. Because, I mean, we've kind of seen Jimmy G this season make some questionable throws that if they weren't turnovers, they should have been. So that's what I think they have to do. In order to stop San Francisco, you have to make them win it on the defensive side. Because if Frank Clark and Chris Jones can get up the middle and pressure Jimmy G enough so that they don't want to even throw play action passes, never mind run it, then that's going to be how Kansas City is going to pull this out. For me, Kansas City has to come out guns blazing. They got to go out and just full force attack. I mean, blitzkrieg. Aggressive. Be aggressive, go out, punch them in the mouth, and dare them to get up. Because San Francisco has not been tested once so far these playoffs. And let's see if they can do it. And who knows what Garoppolo is? We really haven't seen yet. And he has nowhere to hide now. There's going to be a moment in this ball game where the ball is in Garoppolo's hands. It's going to matter what he does with it. 
And it might not be a big play. It might just be a five-yard check down to the running back out of the backfield. But that's going to probably be one of the defining moments of this game. What does Garoppolo do? And if the Niners are down, can they recover? Oh, I thought you had something to say, Jason. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm, good. I misunderstood what you said, so I was going to ask you a question, but I'm straight now. I'm oh, good. okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but um, to your point, Andrew, uh, they haven't really been tested. This is the time to be tested. You know, I mean, it's the Super Bowl. This is nothing else matters. It's you just have one game, uh, one one and not one and done. One game, winner take all. You, you this is this can't be the game. Like for example, last year with the Rams. Last year with the Rams. Okay, they were they were dominant all year. Thirty three points a game all year. Jared Goff looked like you know starting like first team all pro right like he was he was looking amazing and then in the super bowl what happened he was a deer in headlights so does that happen with jimmy g does i mean does it happen with mahomes i don't think it would i think it's more likely to happen to jimmy g than mahomes but what team is under the most pressure in this game the chiefs yes definitely do you think so absolutely i just agree i think it's the niners really i want to hear your guys' points first okay well, I'll give you my reason for the Niners after. Well, I, I kind of already said my point. They're not going to be able to afford a pretty good um, supporting cast around Patrick Mahomes if they don't win it this year. Plus, one more kind of scar on Andy Reid's resume. Yes. Yeah. Ben, go ahead. Yeah, well, Andy Reid, uh, get the monkey off your back. Right. This is the first time the Kansas City Chiefs have been in the Super Bowl in 50 years. They are hungry for a championship. They want it. Um, and... Like you said, the cap is going to take a huge hit when Mahomes signs his new deal. So all the pressure in the world is on Kansas City. The Niners have four championships. No, five. Five championships, okay? They've been there before. They're, they're one of the you know all-time greatest franchises in the NFL. So uh, this would just be another layer on the cake that is you know the, the greatness of the 49ers. But the Chiefs don't really have anything yet. I say the Niners have more pressure on them for a couple reasons. And I'll, I'll start one with just – I guess I'll start with Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, his father, Super Bowl winning head coach. Yeah. That's kind of got to be some pressure there. And I, I want to live up to my father's – not only uh, his, his legacy, the family legacy, maybe even his, his father's expectations – I mean, there's no reports that Mike Shanahan is, like, looking down at his son because he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. But who knows? There might be some pressure from that. The Niners, we they still don't know who they are. There's no guarantee the Niners will be back next year. I think we can all agree in this room that because of Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs will be Super Bowl contenders for years to come. Oh, yeah. There's No we, no one is saying that the Niners are going to be back next year yet. Not yet, yeah. Not yet. So there's no. this might be their one shot at it. But we can all say that the Chiefs are going to have chances at a Super Bowl for a long time. As long as they have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, yeah. My final reason why the Chiefs, not the the Chiefs, why the Niners are under the most pressure, Garoppolo, Brady. Ooh. Can Garoppolo do it in the biggest moments? Because that's that's what defined Brady's entire career. He's not the most talented He's not the best athlete, but he's always the most prepared, and he's always shines in the biggest moments, no matter what. And Jim, this is Jimmy's time to show that he left New England to do that, that he could be Brady, and that the Patriots are missing out 
Brady might be walking out the door this offseason. Meanwhile, the replacement you have for him in-house just won a Super Bowl with another team. It's huge. He, I think the Ch- Niners have the mo- most pressure. Because what the Chiefs have nothing to lose. They're going to come back. <laughs> they haven't uh, won a Super Bowl yet. They have something to lose. They, Kyle Shanahan has... No, I'm not going to say he has no pressure on him, but he has the least out of the four, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy G, and him. He has the least out of those three, out of those four, because he got a head coaching job after making Matt Ryan an MVP. He was not blamed for that 28-point 20, lead in the Super Bowl meltdown. He was not blamed for that. Sure. I mean, That I, was not a stain on his resume. Neither will this, because we'll end up looking back on it and be like, well, he's 40, and he has like 30 more years to right, coach, right. not really career-defining, and well, of course. he lost to a legendary team. Or a legendary duo, at least. That yeah, that could be the story. Him. That of could be the story. I, I'm not saying he has the most pressure. Okay. But the, he has pressure. I and I think the nine the pressure on the Niners the most because they have that history. They want to start another dynasty. What have the Niners done since Steve Young retired? Nothing. Exactly. They w- well, they went to the Super Bowl with Kaepernick that one year, well, but they yeah. lost to the Ravens. Right. They did that. That fizzled out quick. Yeah. Well. Yeah. The Chiefs yeah. have had a long history of being just sort of middling. They had. They've never really been terrible. They just sort of middled for a while. They just they were just looking for that one piece, and that's Mahomes. They have nothing to lose. It's been 50 years. They just want another championship. The Niners have to live up to the expectations. Can they? We'll see Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be a – either way, it's going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And Kansas City also has this on their back. Patriots finally out of it. This, this is their year. If they can't win it this year and – we had Baltimore had a Cinderella story year. Yeah, they're going to be back. At, and the NFC is cruel too. But we've said for years, oh, Kenzie's next in line after the Patriots. Yeah, and if if this is the end of the Patriots dynasty, I mean, everyone like you said, everyone's saying the Chiefs are next man up. So if they don't live up to it, I think a lot of people are going to give up on. Absolutely. Them. Yep. This will be a good game, one we're excited for, and we'll definitely have some thoughts on it next week. But coming up next. Jason and I sit down with the leading scorer in all of uh, the NJCAA. Ty Hawkins of the Mastoit women's basketball team comes in to studio and sits down with us. Ben, thank you for your time here today, but we're kicking you out for a little bit. Yeah, get out of here. Hey, that's all right. I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy hanging out with you guys. Coming up next, Ty Hawkins here on Radio Massasoit. Hey, everyone, and welcome into the Massasoit Sports Minute. My name is Jason Snow, and we're going to talk about Massasoit's men's basketball taking a loss last night, a 10-point loss, 83-73, to Northern Essex, who improves to 3-12 and on the season. Kind of a down loss. Massasoit improves to 5-9 and on the season. It was kind of an awkward night, a little aimless offensively, not really much direction, but nonetheless, they came up with 73 points which is kind of running the mill for them. Brian Tyree led all scorers with 25 points, hit a couple of corner threes. Sam Murphy with a career-high 13 points, four threes coming in the second half. Massasoit drops their ninth game of the season, looking to bounce back against Springfield Tech in an away game on January 30th at 7.30 p.m. This has been Jason Snow with the Massasoit Sports Minute. Back here on the final call. Right now, it's just me and Jason in the studio because we have a very special guest with us today. 
Ty Hawkins from the Mastoid women's basketball team. Ty, how are you today? Doing pretty good. Thank you guys for having me, and uh, today should be a lot of fun. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you so much because this is—we all think this is going to be a—it's going to be a good time. So I guess we're going to start off. I, I guess with you a little bit. You lead the country in scoring. I, I mean, what do you say is the main reason that you're one of the top scorers in the entire nation right now? Uh, firstly, I just want to say uh, rest in peace to uh, Kobe Bryant. Uh, him and his daughter and uh, seven others passed away a couple of days ago. Um, it's really sad, but uh, his legacy is going to continue to keep going. So mm-hmm. rest in peace to him. But uh, as for that, I don't know. I uh, I just go out and just try my best. And my teammates trust and believe in me and making decisions and just being the best version of myself. So I can honestly say if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have the success that I'm having right now. You talked about Kobe in a little bit, and just to touch on his legacy and what he's meant to you, was there a player, if it was Kobe, that'd be, that's an added, but was, did you look up to Kobe? Did you model your game after Kobe? And if not Kobe, was there a player that you modeled your game after? Um, for Kobe Bryant, I respected his game. Like, I've, I've never, I personally never respected anyone's game more than I've ever respected Kobe Bryant just because I respected his message more than I ever respected him just as a basketball player. Right. Um, regardless, if you were an actor, football player, basketball player, he basically told you, be better. And that was his, that was the Mamba mentality. And you have to respect that. And that's why I'm really gonna miss him. Like, that's why his death is so, like, devastating. Like, never, we'll never be able to, like, hear his words again and his message and what he was trying to like do to help people like that's really the saddest part about it yeah and we, we talked about this before talking about the current stars of the nba and sports in general in that in that fashion not taking them for granted and you talked a little about a little bit about lebron and w- what do you think about lebron what can you say about lebron like yeah. i told you before um i watch every single game he's played in this season because he's greatness at its finest and he's about to retire and we are taking for granted what that man does on a nightly level and how he's been able to do it since he was in high school. Mm-hmm. And he's about to go on soon enough in the second phase of like his life soon. So you just gotta, you gotta appreciate him while he's still here instead of performing at a high level. Yeah, so you mentioned the mama mentality and that killer instinct that Kobe Bryant was notorious for. Do you feel that you have that in yourself or do you try to have that sort of instinct out on the court when you play? Um, every time I'm on the court, it doesn't matter what's going on, like the outside world, my personal life or what day I'm having, I want to win. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't care about nothing else, but getting a win. Um, the, that's just how I've always been in anything I've ever done. So yeah, like I go out there and I try to kill, <laughs> I try to kill. <laughs> and you do at 33 points per game, 15 to no, you've beat teams by both double digits and triple digits, ironically. Every single one of your wins has been doubled, like, more than 10. That's just a remarkable streak, and you're currently second in the country in the poll um, amongst Division III uh, and JCAA. What goes into a perfect season? What what goes into the dominance that you've had? Uh, you can't cheat the work. You got to—it starts with practice. It starts with your mentality. It starts with everyone being on the same page and having the same goal. And more importantly for our team, just for our team— we all generally like each other. So we all play for each other 
and we just have fun just going out there. Because if you're not having fun, then what's the point of even doing anything? <laughs> right. And that's why we've been able to have been so successful so far in the season. So I got to really credit to that. So you are having 100-point wins and at least your double-digit wins in every game so far this year. Do you feel like your team hasn't been tested yet, or do you feel like you you haven't had a real competition yet? Every game we're tested. Every game we have to go out and act like we have a losing record or act like we're not winning. Um, there's bigger things in store for our team, so every game has to be the same way in how we play and how we go out there. It's just how we, it's just how we are. Mm-hmm. Do you feel slighted that you're not ranked number one in the country, your team, or do you think that <laughs> you deserve it? Or and if and if so, you want to get there. Obviously, what's it going to take to get into that top spot? Rankings don't mean anything. It's just what you do out there on the court really proves that point. Like it's really about it. it doesn't really matter. Yeah, dogs are tested out there on the court. What what do you mean by dogs? Where what do you, what is that? Are you is that is what are you calling yourself? You guys are out there working like dogs. What does that mean? When you're out there on the court, you really see who's about that, and that's the best way I can put that. <laughs> that's the best <laughs> way I could obviously put that. Well, your team certainly seems to be about that right now this season. You guys are fifteen and zero, and don't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. And I think a lot of that maybe can you attribute to your coach Mark Lischek, who's kind of a Division One twenty one. Uh, you know, legend mm. around the, here. What's your relationship like with your coach? He's amazing. Um, my my personal relationship with him. Uh, my freshman year, I went to another school. Uh, long story short, you know, just didn't, just wasn't the fit, you know. And before I went there, he recruited me. But at the time, I obviously thought the other school I was going to was like better for me. And even though like I turned him down, um, he still respected me and. And when he found out that I was transferring, he never left me alone. Uh, <laughs> uh, he stayed on top of me, and more importantly, he believes in me. And because of that, that's why, for me, I know personally why I always go so hard for him, and I always try to do right by him because he never let me fold, and to this day we have a great relationship ever since. This is the final call. As always, I'm Andrew Fantuccio. Jason Snow, you thank you, Ty Hawkins, for being here. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Final Call MCC. Uh, Ty, do you want to plug yourself a little bit before you get out of here? <laughs> I just want to say thank you guys for having me. Uh, it's been fun, my first podcast. So, and uh, for everyone listening, uh, continue to keep up with us with the season. Hopefully, you know we continue to do good things, and uh, we'll see from there. You're welcome right. back anytime. Anytime. Right. Knock on this door, we'll be in here. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you, Ty. This is the final call on radio, Massasoit.